0: This is Apex Empowered, the design podcast that breaks down the walls of misperceptions around our industry, bring you new ways of approaching your environment and giving you inspiration for living your best design life. I'm Rudolf Jordan, and thank you for choosing to be Apex Empowered. This episode is sponsored by InScape Education Group. We are currently in the fourth industrial revolution. We are seeing and experiencing technology development and artificial intelligence shape our daily lives and we shouldn't be scared to evolve with it. This is what Global Brand Ambassador Tulare Matlaba wants to share with us. Have a listen. Tulari, InScape has been at the forefront of tertiary education and the shaping of young talent. What are some of the most extraordinary designs you have seen from students in the last two years?
1: So some of our students have been... Um exploring matters of the fourth industrial revolution in the way in which they can build um, connective systems. Um, I speak here specifically about our ideation program, where one of the problems that um, students in third year have to resolve is, you know, how could, how do you get um, different systems that a person interplays with on a daily basis? So for example, if I find myself in Europe, and I don't speak the language of the particular country that I'm in. How would I be able to navigate from the airport to my hotel, to my particular destination of interest? Let's say it is a park. And we've had students really deal with that from a technologies perspective, where you want to have a communication between my cell phone, between the venue that I finally want to get to, between a hospital and a police station. You know, all the Um, services that a tourist may or may not have to call upon on their journey of exploring X particular country. So uh, this particular student, um, their project was around that was how would these different institutions speak to me as a tourist. So I would download a particular app, And on that app, I would tell it which country I'm going to. And then the country that I'm going to would then have its police station on the app, its medical services on the app, its car rental services on the app, um, hotels on the app. So that as soon as I land in that country and I ping uh, my arrival, that then these services would automatically then update on on my app under, you know, generic templates. So it'll say police station. It'll be generic. But if I am, for example... Let's not even use Europe, for example. Let's use Khabarone in Botswana. If I'm in Khabarone and I land there, then my as I move through the country, um, this app would update the, the, the nearest police station and it would put the number for that police station as an immediate contact so that I don't also then have to copy the number and, 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 you know, to put the hospital, it would put emergency services. It would put tourist destinations, popular tourist destinations, top 10. So I could just click on number seven and automatically call the lion park, for example. So those are some of the things that students are, you know, have been imagined. Those are the projects that I've had the privilege of of, of watching as the students present um, regarding the fourth industrial revolution and how to use the different assets that are coming from it um, as part of their educational experience.
0: Technology and data sharing is most definitely a hot topic, and I can see this kind of proximity information also being really helpful in the design thinking around public spaces and the interior development, especially when it comes to signage and wayfinding presented to foreigners. Has artificial intelligence made its way to architecture and interior design yet?
1: So, you know, it's a consistently moving target. Um, One of the things that we are currently investigating right now is how to integrate um, virtual reality into, you know, the architectural technology and interior design, as well as environmental design programs. So in the built environment as a faculty, right, as a as a, as a, as a unit, yeah. how do we bring in these things? So virtual reality is an interesting one. Very, because very. If we look at what um, companies are doing, like the CSIR, for example, those are people we've invited. And unfortunately, if it wasn't for the circumstances last year of lockdown, we would have had them on our campuses showing our students the opportunities, for example, to explore um, foundations using virtual reality. So now necessarily a student might not necessarily be able to go and build with bricks and, you know, actually physically build a foundation. But if they could build it in virtual reality, one, it gives them the opportunity to make mistakes without the most die of consequences, right? Um, they don't have to invest in buying bricks and all those things. They could literally participate in an exercise of building a foundation or building a joint, you know, or building a a ceiling, you know, in virtual reality and it be assessed and they could see where they're making errors, or even if it's just to see it and interact with it and see it in three dimensions in front of their eyes. Um, there's a company we've been working with, or let me not say working with necessarily, but we're exploring an opportunity called Vector. Yeah, They're in the Netherlands. And they also have propagated um, a, a community of virtual reality, you know, uh, enthusiasts And a lot of them reside in the design space, particularly interior, the built environment, as well as the graphic design space. So has it made its way into uh our academic program. We are encouraging students to explore it, and some of them explore it within their third year or final year mm-hmm. projects, but we're still working to find the right technology partner to help us bring it to life.
0: That really sounds amazing. Um, as long as we don't use mm-hmm. the the human touch and empathy towards yes. um, people's needs and also understanding and responding to those needs.
1: Exactly. Look, I think what we want from uh, the fourth industrial revolution or artificial intelligence or any of those new breeds, right, is their ability to help us as human beings express ourselves more readily, more effectively, more efficiently, right? That's what we want. So therefore, you know, you see it with things like um, Revit, right, the progression we made from, you know, drawing on paper, drafting by hand to drafting on AutoCAD uh, and then within the AutoCAD suit, you know, having 3DS Max, so now you'd have these two separate entities. So now you've got Revit where you can build in that, right? With BIM. Yeah. So the next evolution of that would be virtual reality mm. where not only do I draw it, um, but I can also interact with it in order to make changes on the fly. Now imagine if, you know, yourself, Rudy, you're designing and I'm the client and I'm at home and we're 400 kilometers apart. We both put on our headsets and you can take me through the exercise of showing me, you know, what we're going to do with floor finishes, what we're going to do with, you know, furnishings, we're going to it'll be interactive and dynamic and responsive. Yes. So therefore your world now is not only the community that's immediately around you. If you were already working internationally, it increases your efficiency.
0: It does and it's about creating that experience with the client or, or the person interacting with it. Yeah. InScape is also of the meaning that green and sustainable designs are no longer trends, but that they have already made their way into our everyday living and the built environment. Interior designers, of course, play a critical role in this when we consider them partaking in the development of many residential, hospitality, commercial and um, retail design projects. And then from a global perspective, we also have the weight of the Paris Agreement of 2016 to limit global warming to well below two, preferably 1.5 degrees Celsius um, compared to pre-industrial levels that's weighing on our shoulders do you have an inspiring example of interior and environmental work to share that is contributing towards achieving these goals?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate as Inscape to have um, partnerships with um, industry, um, specifically within the built environment um, space and directly targeted at interior design and um, environmental design. And those partners include BalgaTex, they include Tile Africa. Now, when it comes to how do we address matters of global warming, um, I can tell you that for the last five years, we have been in a project with Bulgatex where we have been exploring with them um, how can we make better use of their waste in the process of making carpets, right? Whether it's plastic pellets or things of that nature. So the students have come up with all sorts of ideas from creating tiles for roofs out of the plastic Uh, because the plastic is waterproof, right? Mm -hmm. And once you have heated it and treated it, it can make a tile. Now, obviously, then there's issues of how do you heat it and all of those, right? Yes, And that can then go through extensive uh, research and development. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've also partnered with Tile Africa, where our students in a 48-hour brief are tasked with creating a showroom that um, is sustainable, that is green, um, and that obeys those laws truthfully. So the students then started investigating um, theories around biomimicry. How do you create a space that takes in heat from the sun and converts that heat energy you know, with solar panels or the like into lighting. Yeah, incredible. Into, You know, um, decorative features, um, but also thinking about how do the elements within the space deal with the flow of oxygen so that you don't have to use an air conditioner that uses electricity that's plugged into the system uh, unless it's plugged into a solar panel. So they have to go through this and they have to do that in 48 hours and really figure out how do I use the most naturally available resources in order to create a showroom that one, extenuates and showcases the product But also the space allows for humans who interact in it to, you know, have the benefit of low cost, low energy, um, low carbon use, you know, resources, whether it's lighting, whether it's flooring, whether it is sound even. So the students are consistently being posed with this program, those in the built environment are consistently having to, you know, revolve their heads around this because it is a massive World problem. We know that, you know, climate change will have repercussions on in other industries. So the built environment has a deliberate um, and intentional role to play in that. And that's some of the projects the students have been working on.
0: And, and just out of interest, would these um, spaces then be pop-up spaces or are they permanent spaces?
1: So when we're looking at um, the work the students are doing with Tile Africa, their showrooms, you know, gave the students the option. It could be a pop-up space, but obviously from a showroom perspective, they were looking more at, you know, their showroom at their flagship stores or at their branches, you know. Um, and while it's only the showroom in the initial concept, you know, if the right solutions are, are, are thought through and developed by the students, then those could roll out to the office spaces for that company, to its retail floor spaces. So then you can have this, uh, um, you, know, you know, the greater implication. On the rest of the business. So, and then if you're doing a pop-up, then you know you already have the solution. So you'd literally just uh, or naturally just implement that in the pop-up. So right now the students were focused on the physical, long-standing environment, but that those learnings could be transferred to the
0: pop-ups. It's incredible. I've seen some of the examples, and it's really something to to strive towards. You also expanded to Dubai in the UAE with a campus, and that is a very ambitious thing to do. We are also known as a nation with great resilience what can the world expect from African and South African designers that they haven't experienced before?
1: So the irony is I just come from a meeting where we were discussing how professionals outside of South Africa, so foreign professionals, are beginning to change their mindsets about um, conducting research, whether it is for corporate or for a PhD or master's thesis um, in Europe and, you know, North America, and actually thinking about... um, conducting their research, whether it's in artificial intelligence, biomimicry, uh, you know, food, waste management, whatever you can think of. And they're beginning to turn their eyes towards, in inverted commas, uh, third world countries, such as, you know, the continent, our continent holistically as Africa, uh, South America. They're beginning to look at us because one of the things they've realized is that the kind of problems our people face, right across the continent and even uh, in South Africa, the kind of problems our people face need rapid responses, need technology that is simplified but effective, Mm. right? Thus, things like Mbesa that have come up, all those kind of initiatives, right? They've come from this continent as a response to the needs people had. So our move to a place like Dubai uh, and then wanting to play and voice ourselves to the global economy is to say, this continent and this country has some of the most resilient, some of the most inspired, and innovative thinkers that the world has ever seen because yeah. we have to do a lot with so little. Yeah. Um, And when I say so little, it's not a function of resources. It's often a function of the technologies, such as those provided by the fourth industrial revolution. Correct. So we have to figure out ways to enjoy the benefit of uh, 4IR without necessarily having fiber. Yeah. Right. So young people are being forced to think even further. Because they have to solve not only for themselves and not uh, necessarily for financial reward, but for societal reward. Because the designs they make often have an impact on their community's ability to participate in the rest of the world.
0: So that's what we have to offer. It sounds amazing. And yeah, best of luck with those endeavors. To Laurie, I just want to thank you again for bringing a great energy to this table and for inspiring the world with the innovation you have delivered already and for sharing the vision of the future. It's really wonderful.
1: Well, thank you for allowing me and for allowing InScape the opportunity to you know to participate in this podcast. And I think, you know, in closing, I just want to say to people that for too long, design has been thought of as making posters and artsy-fartsy. We have no problem with the arts. But designers are problem solvers. They're innovative thinkers. They're critical thinkers. You know, they're people that want to make an impact in the way in which we live. And if we can all together start shifting our minds to understanding that that's what designers do, whether they're interior designers, ideationists, graphic designers, whatever form of design they play in, they have an economic and societal impact that they're ready to make and have been making for all of human existence. Because everything you have ever owned, everything you're wearing, the spaces that you live in, the car that you drive, the phone that you use, all of that was designed, And all of that had to go through the process of design thinking where we had to grapple with the problem in order to develop a solution. So in closing, I just want to inspire everyone to be creative, be designers, solve problems, and we can take not only this country, but this continent forward.
0: I definitely agree. If you think hiring a professional is expensive, wait until you have hired an amateur. Thank you so much, Tulare. All the best. My pleasure. You guys have a good day. For more information or to get into contact with us, please visit our website at www.apaxdesign.co.za or visit our Instagram handle at apex underscore design.